Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Well, some stuff happened. We don't have to just make shit up this week. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess it's you know it's not the things we were looking for. When we went off the air last week, we were just like, you know what? Maybe they fire Chuck, and we have that to talk about on the next show. That would be cool. Uh, it's not that, but. Uh, you know, it's trending in that direction. It really is. You know, we had a guy just straight up say, fuck this, I'm going home. Uh, another guy who probably wants to go home. A coach who wishes he never left home. Who knows? All of it. Uh, let's get into it. Let's lead it off with the intros and start off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. We have everybody here this week, and I'm extremely happy about it because I feel like it's been 100 years since we had a full show together. It has we been have while, been the flyers. People keep disappearing. Yeah. And never coming so this- back. This is going to be a good show. I can feel it. It's happening. I'm very excited to be here. I've missed you guys. I've not missed talking about the Flyers, but I've missed you guys. <sighs> From TheAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I was originally going to, to open this by saying basically what Bill said, which is that the Flyers did stuff, so it's not boring now, which is great. It's good for our podcast. You know, the more content that we can pump out because the Flyers do some sort of crazy thing, which a lot of really crazy things happened this past week, uh, the better for us. But one thing I will say, and this is, again, I don't usually traverse this corner of Flyers Twitter often anymore, uh, but I did today because something ended up in my mentions and I ended up down a rabbit hole, and I learned that the very angry portion of Flyers Twitter, like the, the irrationally angry portion, because everybody's angry right now, was very, very mad, apparently, that um, before Chuck Fletcher began his on-the-record comments to the media today to talk about the Cam Atkinson surgery, that Chuck laughed at something. Oh, no. And Sam Carcitti happened to be filming on video the start of Chuck Fletcher's availability. And apparently, like, Chuck Fletcher laughing is an affront against humanity because Chuck should be just as miserable as everyone else. And what I will say is this. You can be annoyed with Chuck Fletcher. You could be angry at the job he's done as general manager. But if if your opinion is that Chuck Fletcher is not allowed to smile or laugh, like, please go out and touch grass. Like, like please. Also, just, see a therapist. Just see a therapist. Like, get a life. Because yeah. that's insane. Just saying. He's rich. Of course he's happy. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if you could be this fucking bad and be rich. Like, you have the best of, you get to laugh at everybody. I would laugh nonstop. My only emotion would be cracking up in people's faces like, look what you paid me to do. Fuck up. It's truly like, he might, he should be the happiest guy on the face of the planet. 
Last but certainly not least, Steph Felicia's D, Steph Driver. There are a lot of people who are very upset at the Philadelphia Flyers, and I just want to remind everyone, I did tell you not to give a shit about the Flyers this season. I told you, do not care about this hockey team this season because they're going to be a goddamn mess. And then they they pulled everyone in with the, the start to the season. Everyone was high on the Phillies. And, and now people are getting upset. But, like, it's still the same season. It's, it's the same season that you should not have been caring about. I will say, it's not the losses. I do what I want. It's not the losses, because I think <laughs> most people live in the reality in which losing is good. Um, there are things to be as upset about, like, you know, things we've gone over a million times. Extending a couple of defensemen who just probably aren't worth it, and wrapping up a whole bunch of money in guys who aren't great, and then telling us a guy who legitimately is great doesn't fit your timeline. All of these things we've said a million times. Uh, there's a new one, but also, same story. Uh, and I guess we'll start with that one because it, it fits. Uh, Cam Atkinson. Um, mm-hmm. Remember when he was day to day? Remember when he was skating with the team, baby? Remember when he was cleared and it was just a matter of getting back in shape before he could play? And now he he has he has a career threatening neck injury that requires surgery. Like who the Oops. fuck is making? What if he played? What? <laughs> What well, would have in, happened it, if he played? Well, in yeah. fairness, and I will maybe come off as being a bit of a show for the organization here. The fact Typical. that he, the fact that he didn't play, I think, does speak better to some of the changes they made internally. Because last year he definitely would have played because they would have been like, "Oh, you feel good? Sure, go ahead, Cam, go play." That's so I, I do think that, that is like fair. there is some of some of the anger at this understandably is residual from how poorly they handled like the Ella situation and the Hay situation last season this year really what this situation with Atkinson boiled down to is that Atkinson didn't want to get surgery and Fletcher straight up told us today he's like look we can recommend something our doctors can recommend to a player that he gets surgery we can't force a player to get surgery we so what my understanding is basically that like they probably were like Cam, you should get surgery. And Atkinson was like, no, I want to do everything possible before deciding I need to get surgery. And that's why there was this whole, like, months of nebulousness about his status because he was trying to do every single thing other than get surgery, and he finally just decided, fine, I'll get the damn surgery. Didn't that happen with Ryan Ellis? Weren't we dealing with that last year? Yes. Where he, he wanted to try every single thing without getting surgery and then... Well, he needed. He still ha- anyway. he still hasn't had surgery. Mm-mm. Oh, I thought he did. No, I thought he, he did. just never. Why he would never you get got surgery, surgery if you're never gonna play again? It's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have that answer. I, I got nothing. I mean, my big issue with the Atkinson thing was that because and granted, in in the Flyers' defense, I do think that a lot of this was driven by Atkinson. You know, Atkinson didn't want this out there. Atkinson didn't want people to know. So the Flyers adhere to his wishes. I get that. However, by not doing that, by not revealing publicly what the issue was, at least in general terms, 
no one's asking for, you know, to see his x-rays or his MRIs or anything, but people want to know in general terms what the heck's wrong with a player who, before the season, you know, three days before game one, John Terrell said he was confident he was going to play in game one. Three weeks ago, the player himself said he was close. Like, people want to know what the heck is going on. They don't want to just hear it's a body injury from Cam Atkinson. That said, like, if you don't reveal anything, then rumors start. And, like, there was a rumor for the last month that was bouncing around the, the, the Flyers' Twittersphere and even in media circles that Cam Atkinson had a heart problem because of the vaccine. And, like, this is the kind of bullshit that comes up if you don't clarify what an injury is. Like, I guarantee you where that came from was probably some anti-vaxxer on Twitter made some- it up. And then people Some are person so people, who 100% just wanted to put that out there yeah. for no fucking other reason than the stir shit. Yeah. That's actually almost funny that but someone people, just made that one up. But the thing is that, that people shit. were so starved for information that it was like that that actually got like life because well no one else is reporting anything so yeah I guess it could be and like that's why I mean I think in general teams should be more transparent about injuries I understand the point from a player's perspective in terms of like yeah it's a private thing I get that that said you're being paid millions of dollars and those millions of dollars are in large part coming from the fans the you, you owe the fans a degree of transparency into what you're going through and not just have this weird nebulous it's a body injury thing for three months do the other sports allow this level of no. opacity no. No. i don't think no. so yeah other sports it's like you know specifically that someone like broke the third knuckle on their ring finger on their left hand well the big like it's reason like a very the big reason for that it, the big one is the nfl and the nfl is very transparent but the big reason why they are is because of gambling. It's because there's so much gambling money that the NFL basically told the, the players like and told the teams, you have to reveal injuries because we all make so much goddamn money off of sports betting. The sports bettors need to know this information, so deal with it. Yeah, no, like you like your signing bonus? Well, guess what? It's uh it, it comes from sports bet get sports gambling almost directly. So uh, you're going to need to tell us when something's wrong. It's just, I don't even care. I mean, I care. I don't care about being kept in the dark. It's the fact that this thing keeps happening. Yeah. The same exact the thing. Exact, oh, well, it's getting better. We're working towards it. And then, yeah, he might die. Like, and not, <laughs> like, I'm Cam Atkinson, like, it might not be career threatening, whatever. He needs neck surgery. He's not exactly a young guy. It's kept him out this long. I, I can't imagine it's good that he no. needs next, like, you know, like, oh, this is going to enhance his career. I can't mm. imagine that's the case. So whether it's career, for what? like, technically career threatening or not, how does this shit keep happening? I know none of you have the answer because you're not God, but, like, well, how does it continue to happen to one team? Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's from what Farabee said, sorry, no, Kelly, okay. um, um, it's not the same type of neck situation that Farabee had, but it's close. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Well, the, the big difference, I think, between the two is that Farabee's neck injury was very much like something happened. He was mm-hmm. lifting, he felt a twinge, and then suddenly he, like, couldn't feel his hands. Um, and it was like, oh, that's what happened. I 
you know, screwed up a disc or whatever. The Agatha thing, from what I understand, like, it was just kind of, like, wear and tear. Like, he just sort of showed up to camp, and, like, there wasn't any particular inciting incident that caused the injury. He just kind of felt weird. And then got it checked out, and they're like, yeah, you have, like, a disc problem, and it could impinge on a nerve. So that, like, that was one of the reasons why they were so careful about it, because, like, if you have a disc problem and it's impinging on a nerve, like, you could get paralyzed if you take too awkward of a hit. And that's why they were being so careful, even though Atkinson apparently very much wanted to play. Like, Flesher straight up told us, he's like, there was a scenario that he, like, last week where they were thinking he might have been able to play on Saturday against the Rangers. Like, that yeah. was discussed. Like, they, they were still very much in the mentality of, like, he might be able to come back. And then he saw the doctor again. The doctor's like, I think the final doctor he saw was basically like, dude, like, like, get with reality here you need the surgery like get the freaking surgery and now he's getting the surgery on wednesday <laughs> just like it just it doesn't how does like it go from to one to the other <laughs> that's the thing like it doesn't seem like like i don't think like on saturday is when his neck got to be so bad that he needed surgery like why did it get to this point like why didn't why didn't the team doctors know this six weeks ago it's just like i don't understand what keeps happening that they don't seem to know anything. And then it's like, oh, yeah, he saw some other doctor. And that doctor was like, yeah, you need surgery. Well, they know. They know it's that. And, and I think if, if there's a problem here, truthfully, it's that. And I think this is real, is that I do think there is a, let's say, a lack of trust between the players on the team and the Flyers' medical opinions. Curious. And, like, yeah. I, I, I hey, think Eric, that— Hey, Eric, get in, on this plane! That in this <laughs> in this case, that, like, the Flyers' doctors telling Cam Atkinson you should get the surgery wasn't especially convincing to Cam Atkinson. <laughs> well, that seems like a real big fucking problem, does this, it not? This seems like an it, like, whether it's— whether it's just an issue of trust or there's something to it, like, if it exists— that's a huge problem. If yeah. your players refuse the medical information provided to them because of the source, the source badly needs to be changed. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big problem. If the players are, like, not... Rebelling? I, 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 I don't even know where to go with that. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Put it on the list. I... Uh, yeah, just put it put it on the list. It on exactly. The list. It's just <laughs> this organization, man. Like things may be you know trending in the right way for them. In that, hey Carter Hart, yeah, looks like we have a franchise goalie. Hey Cutter Gauthier, looks like uh, you know he could be a star player. Hey, we're gonna have like a top five draft pick probably because this team's fucking horrible and they keep losing players. Uh, but like just the overall like organization <laughs> seems to have. This black cloud yeah. over it's a it. Passing day, it gets worse. It, it really and does. Worse. But like, like, let me. The players let me read, don't trust the team. <laughs> let, let me read the the quote from from Chuck Please, today, yeah. because I think I think like it's better to just hear it right from the horse's mouth, so that we're not speculating. Like this came from Chuck Fletcher, and it was I straight up asked him on the record, like, look. With the Atkinson thing, with the Couturier thing, with the Ellis thing, people from the outside are going to look at this and say, like, there's a problem here. Do you guys think you have a problem here? And his his answer was, 
You can lay out all the options and speak to the right medical people, but ultimately, the player has to make that decision. And I don't blame Cam. He felt strongly he could rehab and come back and play, and who are we really to dispute that? But I think the process was good the whole way. He saw the right people, he asked the right questions, and ultimately, he made this decision now after, again, trying incredibly hard to come back over a period of time. So it's very much a, like, look— we kind of told him we, we thought tried, surgery man. was the right move, and he was just like, nah, I want to try to rehab this and come back without it. And eventually he decided. I gotta tell that you, he, that doesn't make me feel better. I know. No. It does not make me feel I know, better. But that's, that's no, where we're at. I, I, I don't know if this is flyer specific. I'm sh- I feel like it's definitely hockey specific. Like, I don't think it's just the flyers that deal with this, but like, we need to not listen to the players when it comes to medical things because they're uh, always going to say, I can play. Like, literally, that's all they're ever going to say is, I can play. Unless their leg is, like, dangling because their entire femur has broken off. Uh, that's like, that's, be like, that's fair, play. but also it is their body. I understand that, but, like, you have an investment in that body. And if they're saying, no, I'm going to try to come back, and your medical doctors are saying this man needs surgery or he's going to ruin his hockey career. Like at some point a foot has to be put down. I mean, yeah, like, no, you buddy, can, you're not playing. You can you're make, not playing. And isn't it like in hockey is, wasn't this a whole thing with the Buffalo Sabres? Like yeah. the team actually does get to make the fucking decision, which is insane to me, but they are in charge. Right. Did, right. Did, right. Did, wasn't that the whole issue? Well, I, well, I think what the, the difference between the, the, the Eichel thing was that Eichel wanted to get surgery. Oh, yeah. That's right. And yeah. the team didn't agree with the, surgery like in in all honesty like yeah the team has a degree of control but like they're not gonna like kidnap him at night and strap him down to a to a table and force him to get cut open no they can they don't have to kidnap him obviously that's insane but you can (laughs) tell a player you want to play you're not going to unless you get this surgery because your neck is fucked up like (laughs) This is this is, seems very simple. Oh, you yeah, want to no, play? Well, then you need to go get surgery. Right. No skating Fair. with the team. No trying to come back. Like, no. No, no. You sit until you fix your fucking neck. So I think that that's all valid. I think that's all fair. In, in a perfect world. In a world where a medical staff and a training staff can yeah. identify what is happening with players, what is happening with injuries, what type of rehab they need and it does not seem like the flyers have that like in any other situation yeah maybe maybe you direct the player a little bit more in the flyers where the players already don't trust the medical staff they don't trust the front office and they don't trust each other oh it's not gonna by all reports they nailed this one like you know yeah, and and that's the thing. Like, I do agree. I, I agree with you, Kelly, that, like, they could just have straight up said, you're getting the surgery because we're not going to let you play. That said, like, they kind of, in a way, did that. They just did it softer. Because, mm-hmm. like, my understanding is that Atkinson, for mo- on multiple occasions, was like, I feel good enough to play. And they're like, no, let's give it another couple weeks and see if you really feel good enough to play. And then he would have a bad day, and they'd say, see, we were right. You're not ready. Oh, well, at least there's that. I do think, like, I legitimately think that this season, and you're not seeing it, and obviously everybody's colored because of the way last season went. I do think this season they are purposely being more cautious with bringing guys back. Number one, because they have an entirely new, like, medical department, staff, whatever. But also in reaction to last season. Because last season, 
it's a straight-up fact that multiple players came back too soon. And that was, this wasn't just one guy. This was like three or four guys came back too soon. The whole team. Yeah. 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 Kevin Hayes three times. Yeah, Kevin Hayes, <laughs> like, Ryan Ellis, well, Derek Broussard, Joel Farabee, probably, Scott Lawton, probably. Like, this is like a third of the team or like a fourth of the team came back early. Like, yeah, they, there should be some soul searching and they should be looking in the mirror and saying, maybe there's an organizational problem here with us letting the inmates run the asylum. And I think they are trying to be better at that this year. The problem is, is that the trust level with the fan base, not to mention the trust level with the players has already been broken. So the fans are going to look at the, this Atkinson situation and be like, this is just another Ellis thing where we're just being lied to. Oh, which I fully like, I hate to put it this way, because I want the guy to play. I want him to have a career. Uh, like, hopefully he can just get traded somewhere and go play hockey after this, like, not have to deal with this team. But, like, do you expect him back? Uh, he's not coming back this season. Um, do you expect to see him as a flyer again? Chaos? Yeah. Like, play another game for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hmm. I do not. I don't. I, What's I don't his contract? Think so He's got two more the, years left at five point eight seven five. Yeah, I think he'll play at least a couple more games for the Flyers. What I will say is that, like, if you're looking at this purely from like evaluating the individual situation, I think he'll play. But I will say that. You could be make you could have made a lot of money these last two years on betting on the worst possible outcome to play out for anything <laughs> Flyers related. So honestly, that probably is where the good money is because whatever could possibly go wrong with this team goes wrong with this team. Yeah, yeah. I expect and uh, I expect Cam and Kevin to both be in Columbus by this time next year. That's just my guess. <laughs> Oh, he's taking Kev with him. Oh, yeah. And that's what we're going to get into next. Let's get into it. Man, as the haze turns, this has been... (laughs) This is a saga, (laughs) man. The haze of our lives. Um, (laughs) Yes. It it really... There it is. I I knew I had one in there. I just had to go looking for it. Um, Like... What the fuck is going on with Kevin Hayes? <laughs> oh, it's getting so Dude, sad. How are we here? It's not even Christmas. It, we're like, the best we're, player we on got, the team. We got Elliot Friedman and Sam Carcini talking about a buyout of the guy who leads the team in scoring. Like, <laughs> We knew a Tortorella coach team was going to be interesting. Uh, he'd we keep know. it interesting. Uh, <laughs> so he got, he got straight up scratched the other night. He's been benched a few times. Tortorella just doesn't seem to be a big fan of of, of his number one, well, I guess what should be his number one center, who he doesn't believe is a center. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> like, we got, man, I Johnny Goudreau's just got to be sitting there like, man, we suck, yeah. but uh, could be worse. <laughs> could definitely be worse. Yeah. It's, um, I have to say, it's kind of refreshing because it's so clear that Tortorella didn't give a fuck about winning hockey games right now. Yeah. Oh. He straight up said so that. obvious. Like he, he straight up said Did that he? when he well when he um let me pull up the quote. When he explained the scratching on Saturday like before the game. Um mm-hmm. first he he didn't give an answer and then I kind of pushed him on it and he's like, "Okay, I'll give you something." And his explanation was, let me find it. It was 
I'll put it to you this way. I can't keep looking by things just because we're worried about scoring. I've got to look at the big picture of what this team is going to be, what the standard is of how we have to play. That far outweighs losing some offense in a particular game. Just it's beautiful. it's it's wild to me like the that the reaction to this at least on Twitter seems to be very anti Tortorella, which I find interesting because this is precisely what we wanted this team to do for like years. I'll tell you, I am pro Tortorella in that he seems to be the only one in the organization with a grasp on reality. Like <laughs> him not caring him not caring about winning games, well that's good cuz you can't. <laughs> That's, that's a good thing not to care about, you know? Uh, and, like, considering losing is good, it, it, excellent, cool. But just, like, his mindset of, no, this is, like, a multi-year fucking problem, and I have to fix the foundation of this house before I care about, like, the Christmas lights, you know? And mm-hmm. in this world, like, yeah, scoring is more than Christmas lights. I understand that. But a goal a game for this team that's going to lose anyway is, eh. So I don't want Kevin Hayes to sit, uh, like especially if like this is moving towards the buyout, which we'll get into, uh, because like you know if you're gonna buy him out, why not just retain fifty percent and trade him? Uh, but okay, regardless, I, I I want him to play because like there's only so many NHL caliber players in this whole fucking organization, and if I'm watching these games, I'd like to see them. But it, it like. It's just the craziest situation. I don't, I can't recall like of this happening to a veteran. Like it was, it was, it was hypothetical what Travis Konechny could bring this team when he was getting scratched. Oh, like mm-hmm. it was. We know exactly what Kevin Hayes is, and the coach is just like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah, the coach just doesn't think he's that good of a player on the whole, and that's what we're getting. We're getting Tortorella is looking at this, and he's saying to himself, this version of Kevin Hayes cannot be part of the solution here. So either Kevin Hayes is going to have to change to be more of a player that I think can be part of the solution, or Kevin Hayes is going to have to get gone somehow. So here's a question that I have, kind of like on the anti-Tortorella side of this. So like... At least for me personally, I have kind of seen that Tortorella is not so much of a dinosaur, kind of like the way he was kind of playing it up on ESPN. Like, I, I felt like that yeah. wasn't really the case. Like, he is a, a bit more forward thinking, I think, that we gave him credit for before he came in. However, this seems to me like the extreme version of I have, you know, 12 boxes. These boxes are a particular shape. You will fit into these boxes or you will not play on my hockey team. And Kevin Hayes has always been this player. Like he does coast away from the puck. Like he does not really hustle to get back, but he scores a lot of points. Points, I'm told, are good. So it's like, (laughs) my thing is like, I don't think any of this matters right now because the team is garbage. It doesn't really matter. But, like, if we are looking at a team in two years with, like, a Cutter Gauthier, maybe Connor Bedard, if the gods give us something. Like, it, it's just, like we're going to be looking at a team of guys that can score and can win games. And will it be a problem if the coach 
is insisting that everyone is a 200-foot player like everyone else does. I I think that that's a bit of a reach because I don't I don't necessarily know that that's what's happening here. Like do we know that why yes. Kevin Hayes is being benched other yes. than because it's, he's 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 shitty his shitty play away from the puck. Right? Yeah, Charlie, like it, he, that that is exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, so right. I, I'm gonna I'll use this time. Let me actually read because to me, what's much more interesting than the fact that Kevin Hayes was scratched because like that was it was kind of building to this. Like Tortorella is taking little little shots at Kevin Hayes. He'd already moved to wing. Like this was gonna come eventually. To me, what's was really interesting is the fact that like Kevin Hayes, based on his comments to the media today, and to be clear. He declined comment on Saturday. They didn't practice on Sunday. He had 48 hours to decide how he was going to speak publicly about this, and he gave us this stuff. Like, Kevin Hayes is not playing ball with John Tortorella. It's pretty clear. Like, I'm going to read through the, the transcript. It was pretty short, the transcript of us talking to, to Hayes today. And the first question was basically, how did you receive the news you, were playing, you weren't playing Saturday? I walked in the locker room. My name, my number was not in the lineup. I don't think anybody enjoys being scratched. I wasn't happy, but it's not my decision. Then he was asked, did you talk with John? That's between us. Do you get the sense, like, what, and then, then he was asked, how do you think, what do you think he wants more from you? Like, in what ways does he want more from you? And his, his terse response was, I'm going to guess be better defensively. I mean, I try my hardest every night to do the right things here. Sometimes things don't go your way. I think the icing on the cake was a turnover in Jersey, but I don't think, I think everyone on this team knows I wasn't trying to turn the puck over. Come on. I mean, it's a two-on-one the other way. If you're doing that, if you're wanting to do that, you're insane. So yeah, I guess I should have gotten the puck deep, and who knows? Maybe I would have been in the lineup the next game. Maybe. I don't know. <clears throat> then he was asked, do you think there is a benefit, there can be a benefit to being scratched in terms of like learning and growing as a player? His response, I'm never going to say there's a benefit to being benched. I'm sorry. I don't think I should have been benched, but it's not my decision. He's the coach. I'm a player. He makes the lineup. He wants the best team on the ice to ultimately win, and that's what he went with that night. I mean, you can be benched, and then everyone writes about be better defensively. I try every night to be the best player I can be. Some nights it goes well for me, and some nights it doesn't. I try to be consistent. So, like, he's basically saying, like, I think that this whole be better defensively thing is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, like, to be fair, if the Flyers were a competitive hockey team— and we were like in the mix and winning games was important. I would fully agree with Kevin Hayes that benching him is fucking stupid. And we need the guy that's yeah. scoring a bunch of points. In this situation, I can kind of see what Tortorella is doing as far as the laying the foundation thing. I just wonder if like the standard that he's setting goes too far in that safe direction. Yeah. For a team that's going to be yeah. built on young offensive talent, theoretically built on young offensive-minded talent going forward. I think that's a reasonable worry. But it's one of those things like we're not going to know until we get there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think that a lot of the frustration that he's having with Kevin Hayes, it's not just the fact that he's bad defensively. But like he is. But that's not the only thing. I think a lot of it too is that he doesn't feel like Kevin Hayes is being willing to compromise on this at all like he mm. he's he's doesn't sound like he is he's frustrated <laughs> with Hayes's approach like for example like Travis Konechny ain't that good defensively either but you know what 
Torts pushed Konechny. He benched him in the third period of that game against San Jose. Konechny the next day sought out Tortorella. They had a long conversation. And now, you know, does Tortorella get frustrated with Konechny at times? Yeah, but he also gives him a ton of ice time and trusts him. And I don't think he's going to scratch him in the near future. So, like, mm-hmm. I think part of it, too, is that he wants to see a little bit more give on Hayes' part in terms of, like, playing his way, and Hayes isn't giving him anything, and Hayes is just thinking, well, if I score a lot of points, they won't be able to scratch me, and Torts is kind of like, well, now you see, we'll scratch you. That's kind of what I was pointing to with just doing a really bad job of saying it out loud. Like, there's a lot of things that are leading to this point. There were a lot of things that have left, led to this point. Like, Tortorella said explicitly, the first phone call he made when he accepted the coaching position was to Kevin Hayes. Like, th- they knew that this was going to be an issue between the two of them. It was, Tortorella knew that the two of them were going to butt heads. It's been it's been building for months. Mm-hmm. I just wish that it didn't like. I it's funny, it's funny, but also like if you want the team to succeed long term, it's not funny. Like this is not funny. I mean, I don't really think Kevin Hayes is going to be part of the team once it's good anyway. So like, I don't really give no, that much but of that's, a shit. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and it's fair. Like we talked about the idea of a buyout because Elliot Friedman brought it up on Thirty Two Thoughts. Like the fact of the matter is, is that if they were to do that, then Kevin Hayes, yes, Kevin Hayes most likely is not going to be a member of the next Good Flyers team, whether it's because he's not on the team anymore or if he just plays out the final three years of his contract. And I got news for you. Flyers probably aren't going to be a contender in the next three years. I don't think that's happening. It's really hard for me to see a scenario where this team is a cup contender in three seasons. I think it's going to take longer than that. But if you buy him out, then suddenly he's got a cap it on your books for like the next six seasons. And yeah, the hope is, is that that's... hopefully in six seasons, they'll be okay. And that's still, that would still <laughs> hamstring you because you're still paying him, you know, $1.6 million to not play for you. That's the, the number would be if they were to buy him out. And again, this is coming from simply Elliot Friedman going, I wonder if they'd buy him out. Cause this but isn't going well. He doesn't say that. I feel like he doesn't say that kind of shit without there being like a little something. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something here with that. And I'm just you, like, there'd been yeah. no, uh, like, there's nothing else to this other than him saying that. And maybe, but he also like explicitly said, I'm just looking at his contract thinking, well, like, the cap hit number next season would be $2.254 million. Okay, not horrible. The following two years... And not just the duration of the contract. The next three years, over 1.6 million. Uh, That that's we're talking about six years. They would paying a guy not to play for for you exactly because they just want him out so bad. Here's the thing, though. Don't you think that a competent GM, as Bill said, could eat half of his just retain 50 percent. He's a good player. Like, he provides value. Like, he's not, like, a, a plug. So, it seems insane to me that, like, the only way out of this is buying him So out. I, I don't disagree with you in theory, because I actually had this conversation with a, another writer today in the press room. I don't disagree with you in theory that, like, Kevin Hayes at $3.6 million for the next three years is honestly good value. 
and mm-hmm. another team would probably get real good value out of Kevin Hayes at an under $4 million contract that the Flyers just ate 50% of it for, for its duration. Probably. However, other GMs are not necessarily in the business of bailing out their fellow GMs. And Since if, when? And if everybody, <laughs> if everybody looks at it and they say, why am I going to give an asset up to Chuck Fletcher or whoever is general managing the Flyers when this trade would be made or be negotiated or whatever, when they're just going to buy him out anyway and then I can get him for nothing? So once again, this is... So Chuck, once again, Chuck, Chuck has Fletcher to negotiate. Fucking bad at his job. Like every that's a, that's the problem is every NHL GM knows. Oh, I'm not I'm not gonna fucking work with Chuck Fletcher. I'll just take what I want from him because yeah. he won't stop me because he fucking sucks at his job. Like that's where we are. I'm not saying it's impossible that they could find a trade partner. I'm just saying that like they would need to build a market for him. And if everybody in the league knows that, like, if they can't trade Kevin Hayes, they're probably going to buy him out, then there's a very decent chance that no one is going to make a legitimate offer for him. I know, I know we joked about it last week, but Kevin Hayes was one of the, uh, one of the very first Chuck Fletcher moves. And man, it does kind of feel like he's picking on Chuck's guys, John Tortorella. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm it's, obsessed with it. It's very, like, he is making the job Chuck Fletcher has to do. I don't know about more difficult, but as difficult as possible, it's definitely given how it hard it was to begin with. So I, going back to this, because this is something we talked he's about. He's not making show, it easier. It's a legitimate thing of, like, people joking that, like, he's going out of his way towards his to single out Chuck's guys. I don't think it's true in the sense that, like, he's purposely trying to, like, poke a stick at Chuck and be like, you suck, Yeah, you suck, it just so suck. happens and, those guys are no good. That That's my point, is that <laughs> yeah. it makes Fletcher look bad, not because Tortorella is doing it intentionally, but because he's yeah. doing it unintentionally. Because Tortorella goes in and he says this whole thing of, like, we need to set a standard. You know, we need to rebuild this from the foundation. And all the guys who he's seemingly deciding can't meet this standard and can't be part of the foundation or all the guys that Chuck Fletcher believed could be part of the foundation so much so that he gave them big ass contracts. Uh, does everybody here believe not that like, Oh, he doesn't fit with Tortorella. Do you believe that Kevin Hayes can't be part of a team that's good in the near future in Philadelphia? Well, I mean, I don't think the their team. I think it's. I don't think the team. Do you think he's good enough good to be? Future. I think Kevin Hayes is a good enough player to be part of a good team. To be sure, I do not think Kevin Hayes is the kind of player that could be part of a good team coached by John Tortorella. No, that's that's pretty clear. That, and that's the like the <laughs> distinction I'm trying. Like, people have their opinions about Kevin Hayes. I will always respect the guy for what he did last season, wanting to play. Uh, through his brother, through his injuries and everything. And he's a good first, player. He's, he's a good yeah. hockey player. And the first season he gave us. Like, we saw the height of what this team could be with Kevin Hayes as both a leader and a hockey player. And it was a whole lot of fucking fun. The most fun I've had in a long time. Uh, it just seems as if this thing specifically has a 0% chance of working out. We've talked, like, you know, sometimes the guys that Tortorella's hard on, and uh, they, they eventually, uh, you know, someone breaks one way or the other, and they get along, and the whole relationship works. 
I don't see that happening. <laughs> like, today's I don't comments, see today's comments, today's comments went a long way for me yeah. to, to telling me, yeah. like, I don't think this is going to work. Because if Hayes is willing to go nuclear, and, and maybe this wasn't nuclear, but he at least threw a missile. You know, he at least, yeah, like, at least fired a missile at out loud. What he said, I kind of... For kinda, a hockey player? That's, that's the, like... For a hockey player? What he this said... Is, this is as, as vicious as you can get. What he said, I liked. Like, I want him to not think he deserves to be scratched. Like, oh, I totally. want him to be competitive and want to play and say getting benched is bullshit, because it is. Like, what's Kevin Hayes going to learn? He's 30 years old. Like, his learning is over. <laughs> you know? Uh, but, like... You, you usually don't hear that. You can't right. say uh, it. You don't say it to the media. On not the out loud. Yeah. yeah. All right. On the other side, we're going to take a quick break here. On the other side, we're going to talk about a guy who's already said, fuck it, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't know, maybe some other stuff too. Uh, we'll be back in just a second. All right, fam. Welcome back. And uh, so we talked about Kevin Hayes, who appears to be on his way out. Cam Atkinson, who uh, he's not coming back this year, if ever. Uh, and now we have Lucas Sedlak, who just was like, yeah, I'm gone. See ya. Thanks, Bye. but no thanks. Um, what I did find really funny about this is that, Bill, like on one of our recent shows, you were like, is Lucas Sedlak the best move Chuck Fletcher has ever made? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, he didn't, like, he didn't have time. Like, Kevin Hayes... Living long enough to become the villain, <laughs> he, he we're not gonna get that out of Sedlak. He just came in, was was respectable for a little bit, and he said, "All right." He did the George Costanza. Tip your waitresses. I'll see you. I'll see you yeah. on the other side. Uh, you tell like, the joke, and then you get so the fuck out of there. Sedlak's just bouncing, huh? He's he's <laughs> he's just going home. Yeah, he's That's gone. What's happening. Um, yeah, he uh, on Saturday. We were talking to John Tortorella and asking him about the lineup and. Somebody mentioned Lucas Sedlak, and he said, yeah, he's going home. And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, he's he's leaving the team? <laughs> yeah, he's going home. You should talk to Lucas about it. I have a lot of respect for him, and I think he, you know, should be the one who explains his decision. So Lucas Sedlak is no longer on the team. He was placed on unconditional waivers on Saturday, and then his contract was essentially torn up on Sunday. And I assume he's probably back in the Czech Republic right now. Charlie, I just need you to read this quote. Because I, the last sentence or so, I guess the last two sentences are gold. So good. Uh, okay. But I need you to read this quote. Okay, so before this, I want to preface that, and okay. I do believe this is true, that Sedlak basically said there was, was a lot of reasons why he decided to leave. It wasn't just sure. one thing. It was probably yeah. like three or four things, and I agree with that. However, this <laughs> quote, I think, goes a long way towards telling you why he may have finally came to the decision. It was... Because he, so he played for some background. He played for Columbus in like the mid 2010s. Then I think in like 2018, he went over to the KHL. He played in the KHL for three years, scored a lot of points, came back over to the NHL this year, signed with the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche waived him a few weeks into the year. Flyers claimed he's been on the Flyers ever since. So here was Sedlak's quote on Saturday when we were asking him kind of why he decided to leave the NHL. Yeah, I mean, when I came from Russia, I always played a lot. And I enjoyed playing a lot and kind of being the guy and stuff like that. I didn't expect to have that here, as in in the NHL. So I kind of knew what I'm going to get, how many minutes, stuff like that. But I thought I was going to feel better about it. And obviously, when I signed with Colorado, I kind of knew I might have a chance to win, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's, of course, part of the reason, too. Mm -hmm. 
essentially, I know. I knew I was going to have a chance to win in Colorado. It's not happening not here. here. I know in the yeah. NHL, I'm not going to get the minutes I want. I'm a guy who wants to fucking play. Respectable. I like that. Whether it's at the highest level or not, he just wants to play. But he's willing to make that sacrifice because, shit, it's Colorado, man. It's an all-star team. Yeah. If I'm going to play here, uh, if I'm not playing 20 minutes, I'm going the fuck home. It's a waste <laughs> of my I time. I can play 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is just great stuff. And he's probably homesick. There's a lot going on. I'm sure there's a lot of things going on. But the fact that he threw in the... Yeah, when I signed with Colorado, it was all right. Cause shit, man. Yeah, look they're at them. Good. But they're good. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play 14 minutes a night here. That's a waste of everyone's time. That's I love thing, like, it. I love it. <laughs> it's great. And a lot of when this happened, there was a lot of like, um, of the some of the beats, not Charlie, saying things like, "No, no, 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 no." It was personal. Like, cause you know, obviously on Twitter, immediately people were like, oh my God, he quit because the flyers are so bad. He doesn't want to play for them anymore. But you have to admit, like, that's a part of this flyers. Yeah, exactly. Like if the flyers were good, he'd stay, he might be like, yeah, I miss my girlfriend, (laughs) but I'm going to, I'm going to stay here in the NHL playing on this. Find a new one team, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, (laughs) they're engaged by the way, Bill. (laughs) You have to, you have to admit what's that mean, Steph? Yeah. The state of the flyers. (laughs) I don't have a ring yet. I'm just saying. I should probably say that a little louder so he could hear it. Oh, Lord. To, to, to just piggyback off what Kelly's saying, I, I, I feel like this is another thing that almost points to the locker room being divided, but not quite. Like, it's, it's a little bit of evidence, but it's not, like, the evidence. Yeah, he probably wanted to go home. But... Had they have been winning, he may have been po- he may have yeah. postponed that trip home for six. Yeah, months. exactly. And I think that's probably that's why I said like it was multiple reasons. Like yeah. he did miss his, he did miss his fiance because his fiance is studying over in the Czech Republic. She couldn't come over. He hasn't seen her in three months. That was probably hard on him. He probably does legitimately like playing a lot more minutes, and he knows he can go home and play twenty plus minutes a night every night because the guy loves playing hockey. That's probably part of it too. Also, I think he sort of thought, because he tried to articulate this, but like English isn't his first language, so I think it was a little difficult for him to fully articulate it. But I got the gist of it, where basically he thought that he would get this like real personal satisfaction and feel real, real good about being back in the NHL and being Mm. able to prove to himself that he could still be a good NHL player. And he did that because he has been pretty good. He's a good NHL player. Yeah, and he still didn't feel that like, that good about himself for proving I that to himself. Why? And I think he hmm. was kind of surprised that he didn't get that personal satisfaction. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm not getting that personal satisfaction, I miss my family, I miss my fiance, and the team I'm playing on is going freaking nowhere. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. just for the money? Because yeah, he'll get paid more here than he will in the Czech Republic. But like, maybe that doesn't matter to him that much. Like, he'll still make six figures over there easily. I know. And, you spend enough time in Russia, he, you become a commie. He's home for the holidays. He's home for Christmas. <laughs> he's home for New Year's. Like, good job, Sedlak. If you want to come back to Philadelphia, please do. Just wait for after the Fletcher. Why are we all laughing? What did I do? No, Bill said something. I said, you spend enough. When Charlie said the, the money doesn't matter to him, maybe. I said, you spend enough time in Russia, you just become a commie. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Well Sorry, done. Man. Thank you. 
<sighs> we were actually Broad Street Hockey. Me and Ryan quickly were in the middle of requesting an interview with Sedlak. We were scheduling an interview with Sedlak on Friday. The real reason he left. That's why. Yeah, I ain't talking to that fucking guy. Yeah. You heard <laughs> that, that the, the, dreaded, the dreaded no, Ryan quickly was about to do an interview. And he's like, nah, that, that's a bridge nah. too far. No. I don't like him. All right. So, uh, this... This thing is just, it's more funny than anything. And good luck to Lucas Sedlak out there. Uh, you know, you, you had a nice little run. Well, uh, I think, yeah. like, if, if anything, I think fans, like, this didn't get as much play as the Hayes thing, understandably. But I think at least the people I was, like, paying attention to on Twitter, if anything, they were kind of jealous of Lucas Sedlak. <laughs> like, man, I, I wish he I could just quit. quit. I, I wish I could quit. quit this team like he did. <laughs> He gets to just fucking leave? I didn't know that, that was an option. God, I would love to quit this team, huh? <laughs> so, Wouldn't that be nice? So last week, speaking of quitting this team, so last week we did a show, and we all came away from it like, how the fuck are we going to do more shows on this team this year? And one of the, uh, I did some market research, a.k.a. asked my buddy Frankie, because he's a listener. <laughs> And Thanks, Frankie. yeah, uh, he's he's a regular listener, and uh, he said, you know, maybe maybe start looking towards the draft a little, and we'll get into that more in like the second half of the season when this is really over and hard to watch. Uh, but I just like wrote down some names of some guys who you know we all know Bedard and Mitchkov and Fantilli and everything because they're the they're the highlights. But uh, some other names on this list, and. I have picked my guy. I have the guy I want to. Obviously, if they're in the top three, you go with one of them. Oh, I I didn't even need to see the whole list, and I picked it. I knew exactly. Much like I picked Cutter Gauthier solely based on name, I went down a, uh, a big list of guys on Elite Prospects and came across Kalen Ritchie. And following the Phillies' run... Fueled by Calum Scott dancing on my own, I figured, let's go with it. Let's so do that's, it. That's going to be my guy. On the Flyers, the fifteenth draft, that's the guy. And I'm just, I just want to put think it's it really out. Really important for you. it's important to note that Calum Scott did not first perform dancing on I'm, my own. That was right. I was going to make that point too, Steph. Thank I'm you. well aware of this. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. I'm well aware of we this. Need, we need correct historical uh, accuracy. Everyone knows that, but it's not the version of the song that they listen to. Which was a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, you, know, you know what? They have Tiesto Radio on, on Spotify, and yeah. they came across it. We all They're know very... what happened. We yeah. all know what happened. Uh, but you couldn't use the brain cell to change the I have I have chosen one brain cell. I have chosen my guy and I just wanted to let everyone know as as the season goes on we are going to start diving a bit more into the draft because if the games are pointless which they are even the coach thinks so mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like the coach is basically saying it we have to look at the bigger picture as well the bigger picture of this season is the upcoming draft in which the Flyers will have a pretty good pick, even if it's not top, you know, one or two or three. They'll have a pretty good pick because they stink. Uh, we need to maybe start diving into some of that. So I just wanted to introduce that. I gotta and, uh, say. And I then came me. across a Will Smith 
and I had to note, damn, I already picked a name guy, uh, <laughs> so I can't have two guys based solely. It on would name. be pretty appropriate. So Will Smith if Will is Smith, out. Yeah, if Will Smith was taken by the Flyers, that would kind of. If work. we're yeah. picking just based on names, I gotta go with Dalibor Dvorsky. I'm always That's good. I'm always down for a good alliterative hockey name. Yeah. Well, we have a lot. I've decided Otto Stenberg. That's my guy. I like an Otto. I like an Otto. Otto's good. Otto Charlie. Stenberg. Charlie strikes me Just as based on name. Charlie strikes me as he was a Jaeger guy in college. So I'm thinking maybe Brandon okay. Jaeger's his. I, I I definitely was not, and and this will, this will give you an idea of where I my was. brain went to with that. So his name's Brandon Jaeger. My thing did not go to Jaeger bombs or Jaeger shots or whatever. It went to that that really bad but fun movie called Pacific Rim where the, like, mecha things they use were called Jaegers. Like, huh. that's where my brain I'm into at. it. Maybe he... Is that your guy? I mean, maybe. If it's not one of the <laughs> I top just four, decided maybe. to him, yeah. Uh, so, uh, that, was, that was really it. We'll get more into the draft. Don't worry. It will be a thing for us as the season progresses. I will write it into the show as much as I can because outside of the coach doing funny stuff, which he's been doing... Uh, like, there isn't, it's not like, yeah. oh man, that, that penalty kill in the second period, like, no, there's none of that, because it doesn't matter. You know? Like, well, one thing, one point I will, matter. I, I do want to make, though, about the draft, because this goes back to something I was saying, um, last week, I think, I think we briefly talked about the draft last week, but I'm starting to get an understanding, like, just based on the things that are coming out, that Mitchkoff legitimately might not go. Um, in the top three, in part because he's not having like that great. He's having a good year, but he's like there's some things in his game that people aren't loving. But also, it's just because he's under contract Russian. in the KHL mm-hmm. until yeah. 2026, and he's Russian, and his country has declared war on the Ukraine. And who knows when players are going to be allowed to leave? Um, it's looking very possible that Leo Carlson, the Swede, might be taking his spot in the top three. Like it seems Ooh. like to me that Bedard is the clear cut one. Adam Fantilli is the clear-cut two. And then there's a real debate between Carlson and Mitchkoff as to who will go three and four. And I do not blame... Let me put it this way. I would not blame an NHL GM, knowing that GMs tend not to keep their jobs that long, to look at it and say, if I have a choice between Leo Carlson, who could be over next year, and Matvey Mitchkoff, who could be over in three years maybe, like... I might not be around to yeah, reap probably the reward not. of drafting Mitchkoff, so I better go with the guy who will actually help me keep my job in the short term. Mm-hmm. So the Flyers are absolutely drafting that kid. Wait, He's going to fall to, like, them at— No, Mitchkoff. No, Mitchkoff's going to fall to them at, like, eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Never see, come see, over. See, you guys are terrified of this. I think get drafting Mitchkoff, honestly, especially if the Flyers aren't in the top three, that would be genius. Reason being, they need a lot more than just one guy. And if you get a Connor Bedard, ostensibly he's going to make you better in the short term because he's just really good. You could get Mitchkoff, stash him for three years, get three more years of top five Ooh. picks, and okay. then have and then have him come in when all those guys are coming up at the same time too. Okay. Okay, and maybe, Charles. maybe Mitchkov develops a relationship with Putin the way, you know, Ovechkin has, and he's able to bring Fedotov with him. Are we really going to geopolitics here? Okay. I, you know, I was about to... Big picture, I'm into it. ...into another conversation (laughs) 
about how I cannot survive another three to four seasons like this well, one. And then Bill just, Bill just went and talked about Putin. I'm not, he just did you it. know, you gotta find the silver lining somewhere. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in for Fedotov coming back yeah, from Siberia. Exactly. I'm, in, I'm into that. would that. be great. All right. Uh, one last thing before we wrap up here, because it was a thing on Twitter this week, and it really tickles me. Uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN wrote a story that the NHL, thinking about expanding the regular season, uh, maybe to maybe from War eighty-two games, to eighty-four. That's the ticket. Yeah. Yeah, maybe from 82 to 84 games, and of course we've all heard the idea of, oh, we're going to play more division games, more geographical rivalries, so all that uh, is on the table. And I was going to do a thing where we come up with a better system, but like we've already spent enough time, we actually had things to talk about this week. Uh, I'd love, I love Kelly's question here. Like, has the NHL ever come up with a good idea? No. <laughs> Getting rid the of the two-line pass the was a good one. Ever come up with. That was good. The only good idea, there's one, and it was when they signed Green Day to like a three-year, they're our musical partner for like three years, and then it Green Day came last, out and just cursed it. lasted a day and, and a half. Time and yeah. they never fulfilled on that. Was that was so funny. That was the one good idea that the NHL had, and it was only good because it backfired. Green Day releases their worst album in 30 years. The NHL immediately signs them and then says, <laughs> ah, fuck it. Uh, well, like, I mean, <laughs> shit, like some of the best things that's happened to the NHL have came because the NHL screwed up. Like, what was like the John Scott thing? Where like, yes. that yeah. only was a thing because the NHL messed it up. Yeah. And then like, they the fell only... ass backwards. Name another all-star moment from the last two decades. Hint, you can't. John Scott's the only well, one. Well, Ovi being drunk at the player draft was a good Ovi one. Ovi being drunk. Yeah. The, that was they, great. They and then they made sure that would never happen again. The player draft, which just, they were like, oh my God, we could never do this again because someone made a Phil Kessel joke. Like, oh, that had to end. Yeah. How, like, how, how it, can we possibly survive if the players show they have personalities? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, no, that's, they know they'd survive. They'd have to play, they'd have to pay the players yeah. more, which they don't want to do. Look at the NBA. Look at what their players make. We can't have that, so we'll never have stars. It's their plan to keep it this way. Uh, Eliminating eliminating the two-line... Eliminating the two-line pass was a good idea. Uh, Incredible that it existed to begin with. Like, let's make the game less interesting. How do we slow this down? uh, We need more whistles. I just, like... The best thing you have, the only thing anyone gives a shit about, is the Stanley Cup. Maybe a good outdoor game if you're in a nice setting. But basically just the Stanley Cup and the tournament that works towards it. Build on that. You know, a playing round, a best of three. If fucking baseball can come up with a system, I bet you can too. Also, like, it it's hilarious to me that we did that COVID season where... By, like, the halfway point, every fan on social media was like, I hate this so much. If I have to watch another Islanders game, I'm going to kill myself. And the NHL was like, this is what people well, want. It's just, what it is, is it's because, I think it's a big they thing for Canada. don't want to spend money be- on travel. Well, not even that. I think it's because, like, one of the people I think that Wyshynski quoted in this piece basically said, like, <clears throat> Edmonton and Calgary could play each other 20 times and all those games are going to sell out. And, like, I think that's the kind of stuff that they want to take advantage of. 
No, but the thing is, like, but that... right now that's true. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, like the the reason why the Battle of Alberta games are so good is because there's two of them. If they happen once a week, they're not interesting fair. anymore. It's fair. They're just a regular game. And like both teams happen to be good. I'd yeah. love to play 2008 to 2010 Pittsburgh Flyers all the time, but if they play them nine times a season now, I'm going to not watch it because it's going to no. be an ass kicking eight out of nine times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that, I do want to talk about this real quick before uh, before we wrap up the show. Because this was, I mean, I have a feeling that people on the show will find this funny. And on some level, it kind of was. But it also was an extremely bad look for the Flyers. So, on oh, Saturday, good. the Flyers play the New York Rangers. On Saturday, Rangers fans invaded the Wells Fargo Center. That was a Rangers home and, game. And good. it was so bad that Tony D'Angelo, every time he touched the puck, was getting vociferously booed like he was getting it was it was insane how much he was getting booed at a home game and it wasn't like it was flyers fans rangers fans took over that stadium and booed a flyers player so loudly it was impossible to ignore and it was just like well it's not the flyers fans who are doing it so i guess we can't say anything yeah, I was at that game. It was 100% a Flyers home game. And the booing was so bad Rangers that my friend... Game. Rangers yeah, Obviously, yeah, a Rangers home game. Sorry. My friend uh, who doesn't hockey very regularly, she was like, why are, why are they booing that guy? And I was like, oh, it's a long, it's a long story. But also, it's not... It's yeah, not there's like, a lot to unpack there. It's not us. It's like them, but there are so many of them. <laughs> On his own team. It was like 75% of the crowd. No, well, Bill, in, in fairness, D'Angelo fans. didn't punch him. The goalie punched yeah, D'Angelo. Yeah, the goalie punched, and then D- goalie punched D'Angelo. And then yeah. D'Angelo got kicked off the team for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you know. When you're the guy that gets punched and everyone's like, you fucking deserved yeah, you it. Gotta go. That's how yeah. you know you were a dick. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I, I thought, because the only, the only, my only takeaway from that game was a Rangers player fell down got up and still had a breakaway and scored. Oh my God. I found that really, really tremendous. Yeah, that uh, was happen. <laughs> Could have drafted. it. Uh, yeah. It, it's just, kept. it just, everything about this team is almost a comedy, like Steph was saying. Like, it would be funny if it wasn't so, so sad. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no light. It's no. not like, oh, well, it's because all these guys are out. Who even are all these guys at this point? <laughs> like, we got back injuries and neck injuries and multi-layered injuries. None of these players are going to be any good if they ever do come back. No. Which no. they're not. We cover this team, right? Like, we watch more Flyers games than anybody else on the planet. Regrettably. Regrettably. <laughs> I could, if I looked at the ice at any given point in time, like, if I look down at my phone and look back up, I couldn't tell you every single player that's on the Flyers that's on the ice. Well, just by numbers. Lucas like, Sedlak isn't one of them anymore. That's, mm-hmm. that's what Not anymore. Right. And neither is Kevin Hayes. I know that Claude Giroux is no longer wearing Flyers orange. Maybe one day that's again. True. Uh, do, we have, do we have anything else? Is that it? Nah. All right. That's good. And that. I'm allegedly getting married. Oh, yeah. If you guys mentioned that. And now that you're here, it's not interesting. Already. Yeah, we already yeah, talked we about, talk about it. About you it missed it. You. Sorry. You missed the, you missed the conversation. And that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content, baby, uh, including this show, post games, eventually. Checking out the competition. Those have been pretty consistent. Uh, Fly Perbole and more. 
All right, that's it. Uh, make sure you do all that. Five-star reviews, nice words, etc., etc. For Charlie, for Kelly, for the newly engaged Steph Driver, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!